Chapter 9 of Pee Wee Harris on the Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine Phipps. Pee Wee Harris on the Trail by Percy Keyes Fitzhugh. The Tenth Case. The thought that there was a living presence in that spooky dungeon struck terror to Pee Wee's very soul. He could not bring himself to move, much less to speak. But he could not stand idly where he was, and if he should stumble over a human form in that unknown blackness, what could be more appalling than that? Was this uncanny place a prison for poor, injured captives? Was there, lying just a few feet from him, some suffering victim of those scoundrels? What did it mean? Pee-wee could only stand, listening in growing fear and agitation who's there he finally asked and his own trembling voice seemed strange to him there was no answer who's there he asked again silence only the low steady sound punctuated as it seemed by his own heartbeats who is is anybody there then suddenly in a kind of abandon he cast off his fears and groped his way with hands before him toward the low sound. Presently, his hand was upon something round and small. It had a kind of tube running from it. He felt about this and touched something else. He felt along it. It was smooth and continuous. And then he knew, and he experienced infinite relief. His hand was upon the spare tire on the rear of the car. The air was slowly escaping in irregular jerks from the valve of this tyre, making that low sound, now hardly audible, now clearer and steadier, that escaping air will sometimes cause when passing through a leaky valve. The darkness and Pee-wee's own thumping heart had contributed to the horrible illusion, and he smiled in the utter relief which he experienced by the discovery. But one other discovery he had made also, which gave him an inspiration, and made him feel foolish that he had not had the inspiration before. The little round thing that he had felt in about the centre of the tyre was the red tail-light of the car. He realised that now, and this discovery reminded him that he could have all the light he wanted by the mere touching of a switch. That shows how stupid I am, said Pee-wee. He was so relieved and elated that he could afford to be generous with self-accusations. One thing's sure, it shows how when you hunt for a thing you find something else. So if you're mistaken, it's a good thing. This was logical, surely, and he now proceeded to avail himself of the benefit of his chance discovery. Presently this dank, mysterious, spooky dungeon would be bathed in welcome light. Pee-wee climbed into the front seat and moved his hand across the array of nickel dials and buttons on the instrument board. There seemed to be a veritable multitude of little handles and indicators for the control of the hunker-junk Super 6 Touring model. Not even a wireless apparatus, with which Pee-wee's scouting experience had made him familiar, had such a variety of shiny little odds and ends. Having no knowledge of these things, he moved his hand among them cautiously, fearful lest some inadvertent touch might cause the car to go careering into the board wall. He bent his head close to the instrument board in search of printed words indicating the purpose of the various buttons, but the darkness was too dense for him to see anything but the shiny nickel. At the same time, his wandering foot, conducting an exploration of its own, 
came against a little knob. Pee-wee never knew precisely what he did to cause the startling occurrence which followed. There were two switch buttons, side by side, and in one a small key had been left. Evidently, he decided that this was the lighting switch. He was just able to decipher the word ignition above it. But alas, the word ignition means spark on an auto. Whether he purposely, in curiosity, stepped on the button in the floor, he never knew. In nine cases out of ten, it would have required more effort to start the hunker-junk touring model. But this was the tenth case. In a frantic effort to stop the power, or perhaps in groping with his hand, he pulled down the spark lever and the six-cylinder brute of an engine awoke to life. Out of the exhaust pipe in back poured the fatal volume of gaseous smoke, which spells death, horrible and suffocating, when locked and barred doors and windowless walls enclosed the wretched, gasping victim as in a tomb. End of chapter 9